Thank you for having me here. It's so wonderful to be with such a wonderful group of friends. Uh, thank you very much. And so, I thought I was always so loud. Okay, I'll go with this. Um, so we'll, we'll be looking at uh, the openings revealed in Mecca, some of the, how to understand uh, this, this huge work. Some of the things that have helped me, uh, have clarified things and have opened up things for me are going to be in this talk. These are the, the six or so major images that we need to see so that we can understand what's going on in the Futatamakiya. So the first thing to understand is that Luckily for us, the Futahat is made to be understood, so forever you get learned. In all the passages, they're beginning with learn. And so Ibn Arabi wants us to learn this, and he's encouraging us to learn this. And so he says, learn, and then he says, may Allah assist you. And, and so he's giving us encouragement every step of the way. Taqiq is the idea that we have to verify everything for ourselves. So it's a two stages at least. The one stage is we learn what he has to say. The second stage is we go out and figure it out for ourselves and verify it for ourselves. The Futuhat is divided into seven, uh, the six sections, and these six sections are the sections in the youth that the light has been etched throughout his body. Ibn Arabi, at, after the chapter one's trials and tribulations and, and missteps and, uh, and, and missings, he suddenly is able to get to where he needs to be so that the youth can say, lift my veil and read what is etched throughout my body in light. Now to understand, if not be the first thing you have to hear the, what he's saying when he's writing. And what he's saying is that you need to hear the who. And the who is, uh, of course, we today we think of it, it means he, the third pronoun, singular pronoun. But actually, who is the huwiyat, is feminine. And so the huwiyat and the that is feminine. The sifat, the adjective, is feminine. The quwat, the powering, is feminine. So all of this feminine is coming through in the writing. And this is something that was understood in Ibn Arabi's time. Uh, it's much, much less understood now. So it's very important for us now to bring this out explicitly, to bring out this, uh, the feminine uh, sound in the text. And so uh, we start with the way the, the Quran explains how we understand who. That, that God testifies anna who, that who is la ilaha illa who. So God testifies that who is no God but who. So this is the circle, the circle of the who as the circle of the letters. It starts out with the alif, which is unmanifest. When it comes into this world, it comes out as a hamza. And then the next letter is the ha. It goes around to the wa. So ha, u, hu. So the hu goes all the way around in the circle. It's the full circle of the rahmah that uh, Muhammad wasalam, said that when I came, uh, the time period came back to where it began. So that the beginning is the Nur Muhammad, the end is the Nur Muhammad, and the Aleph and the Hamza are our bridge to this reality, to this world. Now this idea of the feminine sound coming out is very important. Ibn Abi has this very convoluted uh, sentence, if there were in the nobility of the feminine and her position looking over all, only the connection of the that to God and the connection of the adjective, the sifat, and both words are feminine, as a mending for the heart of the woman which he breaks, one of the men who has no knowledge of the matter as it truly is, then supply, it would be enough. 
And of course, the idea of mending broken hearts is, I am with the ones whose hearts are broken or shattered. So this is the, the, the hearing of the who. There are many places, especially in chapter 5, where if you're not listening to the who, you have no idea what, the, what he's talking about. Because he'll say, who is the six of five and the, and the fifth of four? And, this, and you'll say, what the heck is that going on? It's the who we're talking about, the who yet. So this story that begins is from uh, Abu Madian, his teacher that he uh, never met in, the, in this world, but met in the other world, in the vast earth. And that he had this uh, small child. This child would see things and would be of sight. And there would be an event that would take place on the Mediterranean. Uh, this child would see that event. Weeks later, the, the, the ship would come back and, they would, and he would say, this is what happened on your ship. And they would say, this is what happened. How did you know? And so the beautiful thing is that they ask him, how do you see? And he would say, with my eye. Then he would say, no, rather I see with my heart. Then he would say, no, rather I see by my father. When he is present and I look at him, I see this which was reported to you, and when he's absent from me, I don't see any of it. So this idea of seeing being when you're next to someone, this Abu Madian, how can you see things when you're next to Abu Madian? This is absolutely crucial to understanding where information comes from. And so we'll be looking at where does information come from and how do we access it? And the first idea, of course, is that Abu Madian is some kind of mirror, and some kind of spherical mirror, and that's a good uh, start uh, in, in these dimensions that if the idea of the mirror is very important. The, when you look at a mirror, you, here's the mirror, you don't focus on the mirror, you focus on the image here. So if I look at my mirror and I say, oh, there I am, and I say, where are you? And I say, right here, right here. And everyone's looking there, I don't see anything. So this is, the, this is why the mirror is a, quite a good metaphor. But the spherical mirror, if, you, if Abu Madian is a spherical mirror, and you look at him in a certain way, you would get information that are coming from places that your eyeballs are not looking at. And so this concept of the mirror is crucial. It's a very helpful way of getting us into this world of Ibn Arabi. Okay? So Ibn Arabi explicitly goes into this way, and I think probably... Uh, it's book uh, 2019 or book 23, somewhere that, you know, half, more than halfway through. He finally says that here's how it all works. Who looks at the mirror? So who looks at the mirror? And by the way, the who and who's on first, it, it does work because the answer would be yes. Who is on first? And so who looks at the mirror? <laughs> it works. And the mirror is shaped as an angel, as a horse, as a human, as a mineral. So there's a, there's a shape, there's a mirror, there's a, a mirror, mineral mirror, or a, or a human mirror, or an angelic mirror, or a horse, who looks at that mirror and sees you, sees your image. So who looks at the mirror? The mirror is shaped as, as one of these, these beasts, and three, the image is you. And so when you, so you are what is seen. And then, of course, when you get to mirrors, you get the left-hand, right-hand situation. So the, the situation is that uh, Huck and who looks at the mirror, the image is you, and the image says, here I am. So Ibn Arabi writes this, here I am, even if I am from your radiant brilliance, so this is the tajalli, and in your spitten image, ala surati, and even if I am in your spitten image, still you are not I, and I am not you. So this is where we get all of the 
the who, lahu, everything is and isn't. Who, lahu, even though I am the result of your shining gaze, your tajalli, and there I am, and even though I am in your spitten image, I am not you and you are not me. So that mutajalla, the one who is the site of the, of the tajalli, and then this tajalli is taking place at every moment. So kula yama huwa fishan, that every, every day, which is the shortest period of time, a day can be the longest period and the shortest period, and it can be 24 hours. The day, the shortest period of time, every of those shortest period of time, Allah looks at the mirror and the image is seen. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And that's why huwa fishan, shan is in the singular, because every particle is getting its view of the mirror and its image on the other side. And that's why, so when you look at me, you're seeing an image. The haq looked at the mirror, and this was the image. Haq looks at the mirror, this is the image. Haq looks at the mirror, this is the image. And this is happening in every femtosecond or every plank second or who knows how fast it's happening. And this is uh, the basis, um, and that's why I'm putting this in the, in the present, because Ibn Arabi says that the was here is a present. I am a treasure concealed. Now, when you, when, sometimes if, if we say, if I say that I'm a hidden treasure, you might think that I'm a treasure that is defined by being hidden, uh, like a red treasure or a hidden treasure. No, I am a treasure, comma, concealed. In other words, the treasure is concealed and must be concealed. It's not an accident and it's not a quality of it. It is concealed for a reason. But although it's concealed for a reason, and there's a reason why it is concealed, I love to be recognized. So this word that we're going to get here is arif and arifa and marifa, and that word will come out throughout, recognized. So I create the creation, and I introduce, this is to, uh, this is to I make myself recognizable to them. So back to the word arif and marifa, and they recognize me. So this cycle, that I am a treasure, I must be concealed, but I love to be recognized. So I create the creation, introduce me them to them and they recognize me. And now that that's that all pulls together all of these forms and images and how the person who can see who is looking and who is looking can see that and recognize that every image that's coming out is the image of Huck, is the image of who. And as uh Honey mentioned, or was it Angela, I'm sorry, uh, that the that every image is the image of Haq, the image of God. Some he likes, some he doesn't like. Doesn't like the arrogant ones, doesn't like the ones who are overbearing. Loves the ones who are patient, loves the ones who are thankful, loves the ones who are giving. So how do we understand which images are pleasing to the divine and which ones aren't? Uh, we need to have this concept of the raqib, and we'll be looking at this in a, if, at the workshop in chapter 8, I just saw last night that chapter 8's poem that Angela was mentioning is about the raqib. That not only is she the date poem and not only is she the ant, she is the raqib. And this is in chapter on the muraqaba. Muraqaba is when you look over something and watch it very carefully. And the raqib, uh, what happened is that the Prophet Sallallahu uh, came to Ibn Arabi and says, do you know who the raqib is? And Ibn Arabi says, yes, I know who the Raqib is. So he says, 
make sure that in your writings you mention the raqib. And so the raqib is the one is the woman who has either lost her own children or doesn't have children of her own. She takes care of her brother's children and she is ever so watchful of them because Either she lost her kids, died, and so she's extra strong and securing and making sure everything is okay for these kids. Um, so this is the raqib, that kind of care, that kind of love. So in this, the, Ibn Arabi tells the story about the raqib. What happens with the raqib is that the raqib then is Mother Earth. And what happens is uh, that the darar, and the darar is the person who harms, the second wife comes along, and the darar is the second wife is the one who harms. And the second wife is Jannat, is the garden. Now the garden is a beautiful garden, and she's the second wife, and she is trying to seduce the children away from their first mother, away from the earth. So she says, come to my garden. All these beautiful trees towering over us, and it's in shade, and there'll be fruits, and there'll be everything you possibly want. Come to my garden. I'm so much better than the earth, which is dirty and lowly and all of these things. And so the children begin to get seduced by them. And Ibn Arabi is shocked by this and, and, and wants us to remember that the Raqib loves us. Mother Earth loves us and she is the most beautiful. And there's nothing that the Jannah, the garden, that second wife has that the earth doesn't have. Everything that, is, that the garden has is a reflection of what's on this earth. So the beauty of Mother Earth. And so he says that when the Arif, the person who recognizes, comes out of the womb, the Arif turns around and looks where he came from, at Mother Earth, and learns from Mother Earth, learns from his big biological mother and his small biological mother. And so the Arif is focused on the mother because the mother wants nothing but that this child would understand the laws that will help them live their life, which are a good life, a generous life, a safe life. And they want to see that happen in, in their children. And so when the infants open their eyes, it is only to their mother, and they see only her. Thus they love her instinctively, and they lean to her more affectionately than they lean towards their father, because they are aware only of the one who cherishes them, and it is appropriate then that they emulate her behavior. And so this the first one we looked at was the idea of the mirror. You look in the mirror, you see the image. The second uh, idea now we're getting is the, the child looking back after and coming out of the womb, looking back at Mother Earth and, and the mother. And that looking back is, so we remember with the mirror we said, here I am, left hand, right hand, here I am, even though I am from your shining, brilliant tajalli. Even though I am in your spitten image, still I am not you and you are not me. And the other aspect of that is, am I not your cherisher? So the child comes out, and the child comes out of the cherisher of the mother, and the child looks back, and the mother looks and speaks with her eyes, am I not your cherisher? Am I not the one who created you? Am I not the one who loves you? And rab, the word rab here, is a cherisher, it's Lord also, but Rabbabti means that when the, the mother pats your head, that's called Rabbabti. So Rabb is the one who pats your head to help you go to sleep. So that is, am I not your cherisher? So the child comes out, looks at the mother, the mother says, am I not your cherisher? And the child says, yes you are, bala. And so 
the child says bala and when it and means yes you are my cherisher and when it comes through the womb the child starts saying ba 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 because yes you are my cherisher now ma 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 is said for the breast and that's for yourself ba 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 is said for who you are to me yes you are my cherisher we'll get to the third uh, metaphor of fabric. Now, fabric is very interesting. You talk about veils a lot when you're when you're reading the Sufi works. Veils and fabrics, and the and the word for a miracle is hirk al adat. That the adat, the usual way of things, is hirk, is torn, is rended, is uh, rent, and so fabrics and tearing of fabrics. And of course, if you remember the Truman Show, uh, great big. Uh, a dome called Truman's World, and he his boat hits the fabric. And when he hits the fabric, does everyone remember Truman's show? It hits the fabric, and suddenly you don't really, even the viewer doesn't quite know what's going on until the boat goes crack into the fabric, and you say, oh my goodness, this is just a bubble, and this is the bubble world, and then he leaves the bubble world, and uh, I think the, his creator is Christus or someone, right? Or got it. Or, Chris or some kind of name like that. So, and in fringe, of course, the idea of the fabric as well—that there's a fabric that comes through, uh, that you can see through. This other idea of fabric is that when fabrics are very, the fabric of, of where we are gets thin in certain places, and things can leak through or bleed through. And some of the thinnesses are, you know, four o'clock in the morning, three, four, five in the morning. And this is often when babies are born, so that because it's thin and they come into this world. It's often when people die, they pass out of this world. That's the thin part of the membrane is stretched thin at three, four, five in the morning. Okay. Now membranes, now we're back to how did Abu Madian's child see all these things? One of the things he looks at his father and sees a surface which is receptive to information. And this is what a hologram looks like. When you look at it closely, you can't see what anything is there. It's only information. It's only pixels of information. And there's evidence that we live in a holographic universe. And that would be if all the information of this room, every particle in this room, every direction, every molecule is moving, every, every spin of every, and every charge of every particle, if all that was be reduced to information, you could write all the information on the walls of this room. And then if someone walked in with another trillion pieces of particles that need to be uh, uh, you know, categorized or recorded, you could still just increase the room, not by volume, but by area. So that idea then is that, that we are in a holographic universe where the information is on a fabric. And when you look at that fabric, you gain the information that's coming from it. And for Ibn Arabi, he talks a little bit about Synesia, or when you when people who can who taste things and they taste things that other people see, they hear colors, they see, they smell colors, um, and he, and this is a crucial part of his idea of, of mudrik, the one who perceives. And perceptions, Ibn Arabi is saying, we think that when you there's visual things, there are auditory things, there's sensory things, and there are gustatory things. We think that the senses and the information are linked. And Ibn Arabi says, that's not the way it is at all. Information comes to you. You process it by the eyes, by the, by the nose, by the skin. You, know, you process it a certain way. And he says, there are certain people who can process information through any of the senses or all of the senses. 
And so if you're processing information through any and all the senses, what you're doing is you're catching the information that comes behind the fabric that is projected onto the fabric. You look at the fabric and you can see it, hear it, smell it, or taste it, or whatever the fifth one was. And so those are, those are the idea that information is processed without being locked into a certain sense. And of course, information coming from the slides, from the screens, from the fabrics, are information that's being projected from a higher dimension to a lower dimension. So the shadow play has always been a metaphor to teach uh, uh, Muslims and, and other religious people, teach how to understand that the world that we live in is holographic or is not, has one more or many more dimensions than we are ready to understand. And so the shadow play is designed to teach us that we are shadows, that there's a larger self that we are projected from. Now, if, if you project a, a shadow onto a, a screen, the doll itself is three dimensions. The screening of it is two dimensions. Now, if I am a shadow, a three-dimensional shadow, then there is a four-dimensional me that's being being projected into this three-dimensional shadow. And so this three-dimensional shadow, we start talking about the idea that, the, that we live in a three, that we live in a place which is a three-dimensional surface of a larger dimensional area, region. And so this is why Quran always says, fi al-ayd, in the earth. It's not on the earth, it's in the earth. And so when you live in the earth, that means you are living in a three-dimensional surface. And Ibn Abi has this beautiful uh, statement about that, about that the children are watching this shadow play. And the puppets come on and the narrator says, Alhamdulillah, praise be to God. God is majid, is majestic, Allahu Akbar, all these wonderful, beautiful things. And that is a way to teach the children that this is their reality. This is their deen. And so then Ibn Arabi says, and then there are some adults, the ulama, the scholars, the ulama are looking at that, at that shadow play and they are calling it labwa lahwa, that's just play and amusement. And Ibn Arabi says, the Quran tells them that you take your deen, the shadow play, as a play and amusement. And so it completely turns it all around. So this idea of shadows and, and that shadows are one dimension less uh, if we start with uh, the point, you, you, you take a, a blank slate, you put a point on it, your eyes focus on that, that's the point. If you have a line on a blank slate, that now you have a line, you're separating one side from another side. If you have a circle in this blank page that now has a circle, there's an inside and an outside, inside, outside. And then what about a sphere? A sphere, how does it separate in a four-dimensional hypersphere? But one of the ways it separates is that there are many different kinds of ones. And Ibn Arabi talks about this often, and he never has a chance really because he's trying to go so quickly to explain how there are more than one one. But uh, in complex numbers, uh, you can have uh, a negative one and uh, times itself. You can have a negative number, i uh, squared, equaling negative one. And, when you look at the argon plane, instead of going around, always getting to the positive, you actually, it goes up and then it goes back here and you end up in the negatives. Uh, there are also hyperbolic numbers, which uh, Muhammad Haj Yusuf in Dubai is trying to connect Ibn Arabi's uh, 
this parasingular momentum, which we'll talk about in a minute, he's trying to connect that to hyperbolic numbers and, and come up with a physical description of how that works. So you have J squared, which is a one, which is neither positive one nor negative one. Okay, and we talked about the Barzakh, the separating line. Well, this is the, the idea of, the, of the, the asymptote when you get closer and closer, but you never get, never get there. And this idea is that we have an iceberg reality. So we have a tip of the iceberg and the bulk of the iceberg. So this three-dimensional shadow that you're watching right now, this is the, the tip. And the bulk of me is somewhere else. And that's why everything that I do in this world has fana. It's going to annihilate and be disappearing. But everything I do has baka in the other world, remains and stays in the other world. And that's why the Sufis said they watched every word that they said, they watched every action that they did, because while the action in the word disappears, in the other world it stays forever. And if I do something good, then in my grave, that goodness will come as a form and approach me, and I'll see this beautiful form. So people who see that begin to realize that they see, when they do something, they say, oh, I'm ready for that scene to come in the next world, as you said, the post-mortem world. Okay, so this, uh, from, from that world to this world that, that we see is a spiraling down. And Ibn Arabi talks about numbers and letters spiraling down. They all go through the wulat. The wulat are these, are these walis, are these awliya, and each one of them guards and protects and, and, and takes charge of these particles, letters, and events that are coming down into the world that we are used to, this three-dimensional or holographic world that we're used to. And if you take all of the 14 special muqatta'a letters of the Qur'an and you multiply them instead of add them, you get this number that Ibn Arabi talks about where he says, and he just throws this out at us, 360 squared times 3,600 times seven, uh, seven heavens, seven skies, equals, and then there you go. And you'll get this incredible number. Uh, and that incredible number is also the all of these, uh, like Alif Lam Mim, Alif Lam Ra, all these Muqatta'a letters multiplied by each other. And of course, Alif Lam Ra, and then Hamim. So you have Alif Lam Ra, and that's the beginning of Ar-Rahman, and then you have Hamim, who is Muhammad Wasallam, and all of this starts coming together. And so you begin to see this spiraling world, which Ibn Arabi is seeing all the time when he sees a letter come at us. Now back to that concept of the who. We'll just look at one line, this one right here. Okay. So remember, you have to listen for the, the, the her. So she has no nuklet, that is no transference, without a who, without who. Fahia, so she is like the limason in French mathematics. Fahiana, so look at it. And so the limason is this figure down here. Now, if you know the Arabic, you'll see, can everyone who knows Arabic see the who? Here's the ha, the he, here's the la. So this is the who. So that form is the who. And of course, Ibn Arabi says, he says, it's like the limason. He says, but I won't, right down here, masubut the who. I haven't drawn it because it has such an intricate meaning. 
but I am not, and I am not going to be responsible for the contenders. So anyone who argues with me, I'm not responsible for them. So he's not going to draw the picture. I'm going to draw the picture, and that's the picture, and it is the who. And so the who is, has no transfer of that who. So the who goes around, so you have the two circles, one inside the other, rolling like this. So as they're rolling like this, the who is always there, and a new who is always manifesting, and never leaving, and never, and, but never still either. So never leaving, never still, always there, and this is his poem on the India, being Inda, to being with, or right there. So the who is right there, and her chazain, all of her treasure troves are right there. And if you see the one treasure trove, you see them all. If you see one thing, you see all of the treasure troves. So, uh, the one who has seen the wahid, has seen the, the single one, minhad al-amur, of all of these things, has seen the totality, has seen the collective, the gathering together. So this is the concept of the who, you know, rolling around and always there, always visible, always coming out, but never in one place, never manifest or non-manifest. And that's why you're always getting who, la, who. Okay, so the limason, and then this hulzama is right down there in this... Uh, Limasson, escalier en limasson. And of course, it's like the spiral of the snail. Okay. Now, this coming down, one of the other coming downs is uh, from the populous house, the Beit al-Ma'mur. And, uh, and Gabriel takes the wings, dips into the river of high of life, comes out, shakes the wings, and all these droplets are coming down. These droplets, as they come down, are coming down as angels which exit the Beit al-Ma'mur. 70,000 of them every day. So 70,000 angels. Well, let's just read that if we can. Uh, okay. As for his choosing as the best, the populace house over the Kaaba, it is because he is singled out for being a populating angelic edifice, creating there every day a rivulet of water streaming life, dispersing from a shivering of the peaceful spirit. You see, he is dipped into the river of life every day with the immersion that creates these angels, the populating ones of the populous house. And there are 70,000 angels. When they exit, they do not return to him ever again. But the secret soul remains in the place they populate him in, these angels. And there, then there is, after all, no vacuum. And the cosmos, all of him, has filled the vacuum. So dig in deeply, because there is a majestic knowledge here. And you will learn knowledge of the transformations and transferences of these entities to these entities and the alternation of the creation in stages. And you will learn that, indeed, God is over everything, comma, apportioning, not over anything that is not a thing. Because no thing cannot accept becoming a thing. That's all. So we've got these 70,000 angels coming down. And he uh, will describe them as a chawatir, of these incoming thoughts. And 70,000 coming down to everyone every 24 hours. If you take 70,000 and divide it by 24 hours, you will get theta waves. Okay? Theta waves. And this is drowsy and drifting down into sleep and dreams. So when you are in theta waves, when you are, when your theta waves, your brain is moving like this, and the angels are coming like this, and you're getting each one of them, you're getting each one of them. If you are, you know, video gaming or doing other things, you're going like this, you're missing all the angels. So that's why the time you catch the angels is, is at, the, uh, at, at the theta wave period, right before you fall asleep, right as you get up. 
Um, and that's why it's ever so important to write down your dreams, remember your dreams consciously, because that, they came to you during the theta waves time. And they are the angels coming from the populace house. Now this, this moment, so this idea that information is coming to us constantly 70,000 times at a certain, you know, one point whatever hurts is coming to us is the idea that everything is happening per singula moment, everything for a single moment. And in this, uh, now remember we had the, we did have a complex number up there, right, a complex plane. Well, the person who might have been the, sort of the discoverer of the complex plane is Cardona, and he said that his father, this is 16th century, I guess, 17th century. His father used to go off into the study, and these two and jinn would talk to him, and these two jinn would argue among themselves. And one of them said that the world is created in eternity, and the other said, "No, the world is created uh, in singular momentum." If in that moment he would desist, then the the world itself would disappear. And so every moment. He is upon, and it's kula yoma hua fi shan. So who is in the shan? Who? Okay. So I really don't want to answer he anymore. So in every moment, who is in the shan? Is doing this action that makes the the image alive and imaged every moment. Okay. This idea of the he, uh, Ibn Abi also talks about the ember. You take a stick with an ember on it. You go like this. All you see is the light you don't see the stick. Now, if I am this image, a three-dimensional shadow image, then you are only seeing the light. You're not seeing me. The skeleton or the, the body that that light is coming onto is flicking in and out of existence like this. And every time it flicks into existence, it's given a tajelli of light, of an image. And so image out, image out, image out, image out, image out, image out. So when you look at me, you are not seeing me because I am invisible. The being that I am is absolutely invisible. All you see is the light, the tajali, the image that is put on, on this, what I call me. And that's why if Hani says to you, to me, subhanallah, I see God, he is correct. <laughs> and that is because all we see is God. We are totally invisible. We are completely invisible. All we can see is God. There's nothing else to see. Just the way the stick cannot be seen, only the ember. And so these embers are these pixels which are coming at us. And if you, now the idea, that this works for the shadow play, it works for DVDs. It works for the idea, remember if you were as old as me, you'll remember when images took forever to load. And then you said, how do you do streaming DVDs? You know, I remember when an image, and then another one, like that. We're talking images 15 frames a second. Where did these all come from? Well, there's an algorithm. The algorithm goes through every pixel and asks one question. Are you the same? Well, two questions. Are you the same or are you different in the next frame? So every, frame, every pixel says, I'm the same or I'm different in the next frame. And that's how it And Ibn Arabi says, every pixel, every being, every ayin, it's either the same, like the same, or it's different. And so that's the way that these pixels are being given something that's like it was before or different than it was before. And as these pixels come at us, they create this entire world and we get a holographic world. That umbrella there is not an umbrella. It's a representation. It's a pixel. It's a bunch of pixels, a bunch of things that we interpret 
as an umbrella. So Abu Madian's child looks at that umbrella, looks at his father, and doesn't see a father. He sees the information where that came from. Each of these pixels that is Abu Madian is fresh and can be read, and he can see what happened on a ship out in the Mediterranean. Okay? Now this is the idea of the Shan. Shan is a very strange word. There's sort of the kind of traditional understanding that the Shan is how everything changes quickly. The poor are made rich, the rich are made poor. Uh, you're very suddenly, your change of fortunes, all these kinds of things. Well, one of the things that the Shan is that the idea of the, in the cranium, there's these jagged lines. When you look at the jagged line up there, it's a, it's a, it's a line, but as it weaves in and out, it almost becomes a rectangle. So a one-dimensional line almost becomes two-dimensional, and that's called fractional dimension. So that suture there is a fractional dimension, close to two, bigger than one dimension, close to two dimensions. And Ibn Abi says, you see, every two points a line, every two lines and more a plane, and every two planes a volume. And every volume, a body which is composite based on eight, and this is the complete perfect form, manifesting from without and seven adjectives. Now, how do you... What happens? So you take a, take a line, you jiggle it long enough until it makes a rectangle. You take a plane, you, you layer them fast enough until it makes a volume. And you take a volume and you whirl it around fast enough so that it begins to make a high third dimensional fractal dimension, close to the fourth dimension. So when you whirl, when you stop, when you move, this three dimensional shadow begins to layer itself until it becomes not three dimensions, but 3.8 dimensions, 3.9 dimensions, almost four dimensions. And then when you fall asleep, you're in the fourth dimension. But before that, you're in the theta waves. And when you're in the theta waves, you're bringing in all of this information. So that's how Abu Madian's child could figure out what was happening in the Mediterranean three weeks ago. So Alhamdulillah, thank you very much. <laughs>